Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD. In an uncertain economy, if you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to kirkelliottphd.com and make an appointment today. Coming up, I'll identify the malefactor companies that are boycotting X and show how X can fight back against them. I'll make the case that conservative Muslims belong in the GOP and they can help us beat the Democrats in 2024. I'll talk about my son-in-law, Brandon Gill, and his candidacy. He's now the Trump-endorsed GOP candidate for Texas Congressional District 26. And attorney Joseph McBride, who represents January 6 defendants, is going to join me for an update on the latest developments. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. this voice. The times are crazy in a time of confusion, division, and lies. We need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. There is a whole lot of anti-Semitic content on digital platforms like YouTube and Facebook Why? Because this anti-Semitic content, for the most part, is coming from the left. It is pro-Hamas stuff. It is stuff that is uh, openly calls for the destruction of the Jewish state, the elimination of Israel from the river to the sea. And all of this stuff is vile and, in a sense, genocidal. It It is a celebration of what Hamas did. It is a call for more of the same, and yet it is not restricted or banned on those platforms, even though the platforms claim that they are regulating uh, hate speech. This type of hate speech is acceptable, and moreover, you have advertisers very comfortably advertising on YouTube, on Google, which owns YouTube, on Meta, and on Instagram. And some of those same advertisers, in fact, a prominent set of them, are boycotting X. And they're boycotting X because they claim X is anti-Semitic or they claim Elon Musk is anti-Semitic. So let's talk for a moment about those things. First of all, there is less anti-Semitic content. I mean, in a free speech platform, you're going to have people say whatever they think. And so it's not a case where if someone is saying something that's legal, they're going to be banned on X. But nevertheless, there is less anti-Semitic content, and frankly, I never see it. The only anti-Semitic content I see on X is from the left. Again, uh, it is is directed against the Jewish people, against the Jewish state. It's a certain type of directed anti-Semitism. It's not just that Jews are evil. It's that the Jewish state needs to be wiped off the face of the earth. Uh, And in some cases, the language used is language that suggests annihilation, elimination, uh, genocide, uh, and so the point being that this is this is the kind of anti-Semitism of our time uh, that we're dealing with. And yet 
It's not the anti-Semitism the left is in fact concerned about. And there's been a left-wing campaign led in the, in the case of X by Media Matters. But now you've got all these corporations and I want to, I want to name them. You have Disney, you have Sony, you have Warner Brothers, Paramount, IBM, Marvel, Lionsgate, Washington Post, NBC, CBS, and they are pulling their advertising from X. Now, First of all, this is a very interesting list of um, corporations. Now, they've subsequently been joined by Walmart, and I'll say a word about that later. But what I want to say here is that notice that they're all media corporations. These are not random corporations. You don't see car companies here. What you're seeing are information companies that are, in a sense, not only in competition with X, but you can say are upset at the fact that we've seen a big move away from traditional media traditional studios to social media platforms. Think of it. Look at NBC and CBS. They've seen, for example, massive declines in their viewership relative to social media. Think of the Washington Post, Lionsgate, Paramount, Warner Brothers. So this is a cabal that is using the pretext of anti-Semitism. X is not anti-Semitic. Elon Musk is not anti-Semitic. I don't know if you saw Elon talking about his trip to Israel. Uh, this is in the conversation with Aaron Sorkin, where Elon Musk is wearing this chain, and it turns out to be apparently given to him by the mother of one of the hostages, and he's going to wear the chain until the hostages are all free. But just listening to him talk in a quite moving way about about Israel, about the targeting of the Jews, about his identification with people who are in that situation, you can see there's not an anti-Semitic bone in Elon Musk's body. Um, now, this is a guy who will, you know, I think at one point he shared a particular item of content that he didn't, that he then regretted and he apologized for it. But when you're calling someone an anti-Semite, you're not saying, hey, he shared a piece of content. You're saying, this is who he is. This is kind of his nature. He's a he's a hateful person. He doesn't like Jews, this sort of thing. And it's not true. Well, it's not true in the case of many people who are accused in this way. The ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, has almost made a, made a sort of a reputation with smearing people uh, as hateful who are not hateful. In fact, they smear Chaya Rechik, who is who is Jewish and an Orthodox Jew to boot. Um, they they smear her as sort of she's a, a hater. She's part of a this kind of the type of person who needs to be banned on social media. Uh, even though um, even though you've got somebody here who is very attached and loyal to the um, to the Jewish cause and and the very opposite of of an anti semite. Look, I think the message of all this is that. We simply have to start doing to these corporations what they're doing to X. And I realize that's not always easy to do, but it calls for a discipline change in our habits. Uh, when Amazon decided not to carry our DVDs, I told Debbie, I said, look, there may be some things we like have to buy on Amazon, but if we don't have to, let's not. Let's try to find it somewhere else. So what if it takes a week to get here as opposed to getting here the next day? I realize there are advantages of convenience to shopping on Amazon. But when these companies are doing this to us, when they're in a systematic, coordinated way, attacking our values and attacking really the only free, the only mainstream free speech platform that's out there, namely X. I mean, this is just horrifying. They're trying to extinguish free speech in America. We should at least do our best not to contribute to what they're doing. 
During times of economic uncertainty and political upheaval, it's crucial to have a reliable source of financial guidance and insight. That's where Dr. Kirk Elliott, Ph.D., and his esteemed wealth management advisory firm come into play. Dr. Elliott has distinguished himself with two PhDs in economics and theology. He's built a reputation in expert financial solutions tailored to your unique needs. His firm specializes in wealth management, offering a comprehensive array of services to protect and grow your assets in an ever-changing world. In an environment filled with economic volatility and shifting political landscapes, finding a trusted partner during these challenges is essential. Dr. Elliott's firm employs cutting-edge strategies and a deep understanding of markets to guide you toward financial success. Go to kirkelliottphd.com slash Dinesh. By the way, that's Kirk Elliott, two L's, two T's, kirkelliottphd.com slash Dinesh. Book an appointment. They will explain their process about investing. That's kirkelliottphd.com slash Dinesh. Or call or text 720-605-3900. The number again, 720-605-3900. There's a um, very interesting article in Politico that is titled Swing State Muslim Leaders Launch Campaign to Abandon Biden in 2024. Now, I'm going to talk about the article, but uh, I want to set it in a little wider context of the politics of Muslims in America. So there are currently about um, 3 million Muslims in America. It's not 3 to 4 million Muslims. It's not a giant number of people. But the Muslims, it so happens, are in swing states. So where are Muslims concentrated? Probably the largest number is in Michigan. There's a fair number in Minnesota. There's a bunch in Arizona, Wisconsin, Georgia, Nevada, Virginia, Pennsylvania. So these are the states that tip the election. So it so happens that Muslims are strategically in an important place. Now, many people don't realize, but in the year 2000, in George W. Bush's election, Muslims voted Republican. So there was a predominance of Muslims voting for Republicans in the year 2000. Uh, After 9-11, there was a lot of anti-Muslim sentiment that developed on the right, Some of it was based on the idea that Islam itself is to blame for 9-11. And again, look, it's not that surprising people came to that conclusion. What did the terrorists say they were doing it in the name of Islam? So, you know, the terrorists themselves were pointing to Islam as their justification. So it was not entirely surprising that people go, listen, Islam does seem to be the problem. And and this sentiment has persisted to this day. Um, However... Uh, it is worth noting that Muslims are now creating a schism in the Democratic Party. It's it's a schism that we're watching from a distance because they're actually blasting Biden for being too soft on Israel. Uh, in other words, for being too pro-Israel. They want Biden to pressure Israel to do a ceasefire and, and an enduring ceasefire, which is to say not just a ceasefire for the purpose of, of getting hostages back and then resume hostilities. Uh, and the Biden position, the, the position of the Biden administration is essentially that we encourage a ceasefire in order to get hostages back, but we also support the mission of Israel to defeat and really destroy Hamas as a viable 
entity as a viable power and its ability to be a launching pad for terrorist operations. And so these Muslims are furious. So let me read from the article. Muslim leaders from several swing states descended on Dearborn, Michigan to announce a national campaign against the re-election of Biden. Uh, and their campaign is hashtagged Abandon Biden. Now, this is really interesting because as you as you go on, you realize that they are not pro-Republican. They're not saying to vote for Trump. What they seem to be saying is don't vote. Just do not support Biden. Uh, and they're and I think there, there are two ways to look at this. One way is they're, they're literally announcing a, well, what was it uh, that Brandon struck? A walk away from the Democratic Party. I don't think that's actually what's going on here. I think that these Muslims are trying to use this as a leverage with the Biden administration saying, listen, you, you need us. And you need us because we happen to be in the states that you need in order to secure your re-election. You're not doing that well in the polls as it is. So if you lose a constituency that's been pretty reliably democratic, at least since the aftermath of 9-11, you're doomed. And so they want Biden then to run scared. Uh, they want the Democrats to run scared and go, okay, well, we got to appease these Muslims uh, and um, so we need to move our position more in the Muslim direction. I think they realize that it's not, you know, you're not going to have the Biden administration abandon Israel uh, uh, completely. But what they want to do is they want Biden to continue to put pressure on Israel. No, don't do that. No, cancel this operation. No, back off from that. No, don't take that risk because there are civilians involved. So they want Biden to put a leash on Netanyahu uh, and on on Israel. And so I don't know whether to view this as a favorable development. It's obviously unfavorable in what the Muslims are trying to convince Biden to do. But whether there are some political opportunities here is a good question. My broad view of this matter is as follows, that the Muslim community is divided. Um, it's a spectrum, but if you draw a, a kind of distinction, it's between the radical Muslims and the traditional Muslims. Uh, Debbie and I know a bunch of these traditional Muslims. In fact, there's one guy who's become a good friend of ours. He drives us to the airport whenever we go on events and vacations and things like that. Um, and this guy is, um, where is he from? Senegal. Very much of a traditional Muslim. In fact, he went, just went back to do the Hajj with his family. Um, and, um, and described it to us as a very moving experience. And this is a guy who would never harm anybody. He's a great guy. And, um, in fact, he sort of doubles as my security when sometimes we go to events together. Uh, and he's conservative. He's socially, politically conservative. He believes in upward mobility, his traditional values. This is the kind of guy who should be in the Republican Party. So to the degree that we have splits and schisms in the Muslim community that cause conservative Muslims to move over into the GOP, I think that's a good thing. And the fact that these Muslims happen to be in swing states can't hurt. Mike Lindell just keeps on introducing great deals. He's featuring the new My Towels. Save 50% on the six-piece towel set, regular price $59.96, but now for a limited time, just $29.98 with promo code Dinesh. Debbie and I have Mike's My Towels all over the house. We love them for ourselves, but we also like giving them away as Christmas presents. So there's an idea for you to consider. The My Towels six-piece set includes two bath towels, two hand towels, two washcloths. The towels are really amazing. 
The long staple length of the Sherpur cotton fibers makes them very soft because of the long fibers. They can wrap around each other more easily, creating a smoother and softer fabric. Soft to the touch, but without the lotion-y feel and also super absorbent. So take advantage of the 50% off on the six-piece towel set. Call 800-876-0227. The number again, 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com. Don't forget to use the promo code. It's D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. Here's something that came in over the weekend, um, a announcement by Donald Trump. And he put this truth out on his way to the campaign rally in Iowa. It is my great honor to endorse Brandon Gill for U.S. Congress in Texas 26. He is the clear America first candidate, and he is as loyal and tough as they come. He's a cowboy businessman, husband, father, but also a true patriot. Brandon is strong on securing our border, stopping crime, fighting inflation, protecting our Second Amendment, all caps. He also comes with the love and respect of his father-in-law, a true warrior, Dinesh D'Souza. Brandon will not let you down. Onward to all caps victory. Now, um, this is downright awesome. And of course, our family is very grateful to President Trump for doing this. It uh, makes Brandon the straight-out front-runner in this race. A little, by the way, of background. Uh, Brandon Gill and his wife, Danielle, my daughter, have lived in the suburbs of Dallas, the Denton area, for about a year. Uh, it was Brandon's intention, uh, always has been his intention for a while, to run for office. But I think he thought it was going to happen later. But then, remarkably, just about 10 days ago, Michael Burgess, the uh, a medical doctor, who has represented this district, Texas 26, for two decades, um, just announced, uh, and I think his staff didn't even know this was coming, I'm not running again, creating an open seat. Now, it's much easier to win an open seat than to run against an incumbent. And so the choice for Brandon was, you know, I run now, or if somebody else gets in, they could hold that seat for another 20 years, let's say. So, the, in other words, the opportunities don't make themselves available that often. And so when they do, you kind of have to go for it. So he is going for it. Uh, now there is, uh, I think, four announced candidates in the race. and uh, But he is the, um, you know, he's solidly conservative. He's the America first guy. He's been very pro-Trump and runs, in fact, a website called DC Inquirer that has been the content Trump shares frequently on uh, Truth Social. I, I had a couple of very uh, amusing interactions with Trump uh, going back to last weekend and then this past weekend because Trump is the kind of guy who likes to talk through things. And so, uh, in fact, Debbie was kind of laughing because I put in a call to President Trump, but I didn't, didn't get through. So I leave a message. And then late at night, what was it, honey? Like, like one o'clock in the morning, I get this message. Hello, Dinesh. This is your favorite president. Call me back anytime. Okay. <laughs> the, so Debbie and I listened to the morning and we just both started laughing just because it was so characteristically Trump, Trumpian. And so then I reached him the next morning and he wanted to talk about, we talked about Brandon. We talked, he asked me about the other candidates in the race. And, um, and, uh, he liked the fact that Brandon was a cowboy, grew up on a ranch, uh, in Abilene. Uh, of course, Brandon went on to Dartmouth, then w worked for a hedge fund on Wall Street as an entrepreneur. 
And um, so so he was very favorably disposed to Brandon. But he said, you know, give me some time to kind of do my due diligence and think about it. And um, and I think he likes to do little powwows with people where he says, hey, he, in fact, he made the statement. He was like, I want to make sure I'm not doing anything really dumb. And I go, no, Mr. President, you're, you're not you're not you're not doing anything dumb. And he goes, I know, I know. But I'm just, you know, going uh, making sure. So there was a kind of a week long, um, I think, um, think on the part of Trump. And then he decided, look, this uh, and the Trump endorsement is going to be very important. I don't know. I think decisive. And I say that because this is a red pro Trump district. And by and large, if you win the primary, you have a very good chance to win in the general. Now, a campaign is is a grind. I mean, it's like a it's like a football game where you have to run the ball on every play. Uh, Brandon's primary is in March. Uh, if he doesn't get a clear, what is it, fifty percent or fifty percent plus, there'll be a runoff that will be in May. The election, of course, is the same time the Trump's election will be, which is November. And so, um, but um, uh, our family's kind of going all in on this. And I know that Brandon's going to work extremely hard on all aspects of the campaign. Uh, Ultimately, this is a matter you need endorsements and you need money, uh, but you also need just to get to know everybody in your district, door to door, signs, uh, going to events, coffee shops, all the rest of it. So this is what life on the campaign trail is like. Um, it's kind of funny because Debbie and I are slightly being drawn into this, uh, where it's like we're given jobs. <laughs> Debbie's like, "Don't we have a job? We actually do have a job, but it looks like we're um, we'll have some. We will have Debbie's worked on a whole bunch of campaigns in the past, and she's like, okay, I'm I'm tired. I've, uh, Debbie worked on Troy Nails' campaign, not as not even his congressional campaign. This is when when Troy was running for constable, when Troy was running for sheriff." So I think Debbie thought she was like done with campaigns for God, she was kind of moving on to a new phase of life. But here we are back in the teeth of a campaign. And this time it is our own son-in-law, Brandon Gill. Debbie and I are on a really good health journey, but we still struggle to eat enough fruits, veggies, and fiber. Now, lucky for us, we discovered Balance of Nature. And what better way to get all your fruits and veggies plus fiber than with Balance of Nature? This is Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule, so easy to take. Made from fresh whole produce, the produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. And this is Balance of Nature's Fiber and Spice, a proprietary blend of fiber and 12 spices for overall and digestive health. Join Debbie and me, start your journey to better health right now. Call 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. You get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Again, that's balanceofnature.com or call 800-246-8751. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Guys, I'm happy to welcome back to the podcast our friend Joseph McBride. He is the president and founder of the McBride Law Firm, which focuses on criminal law, civil rights, defamation law. Collectively, he's represented more than 20 people connected to January 6th most uh, recently. And we'll talk about this. Joe Bolanos, who was featured in Police State. His uh, his website is McBrideLawNYC.com. Uh, McBrideLawNYC.com. 
Uh, Joe, welcome. Uh, thanks to thanks for joining me. Uh, let me begin by asking a general question about January 6th. We've seen some of these new videos coming out, and and I don't know if they're new to you, whether you, or whether you had seen some of them in a trial context, but they were new to the general public, and they give a sort of a different picture of January 6th than the one certainly that had been put out by the January 6th committee. And um, and talk about the significance of these new videos and what needs to happen next. Well, Dinesh, thank you so much for the fantastic introduction. It's always good to see you, my friend. Uh, we're very thankful collectively to Speaker Johnson for stepping up and delivering uh, on, on this promise uh, so far. Um, there are three sets of video with regard to January 6th, three sort of broad swaths of video. One is CCTV footage as closed caption TV footage, government cameras without audio. Two, very quick and dirty here is there's a body cam footage from all the officers that were there. Capitol Police did not have body cam on that day, but the, the Metropolitan Police Department officers did have body cam. Uh, some FBI people that were on the ground took uh, GoPros and, and, and regular handheld cameras. And then your, your third set of video is your citizen journalists, the people who were there taking videos on the 6th. What we have thus far in terms of the release is a limited release of CCTV footage so, uh, pertinent to the inside of the Capitol, some areas around the Capitol from, from about a two hour time frame. This is uh, anybody who looks into this from the general public who has not familiarized with themselves at the video with the video at this point is going to be shocked at what they see. But for those of us who sort of been boots on the ground, people like myself, people like you, Dinesh, people who know this video uh, from from you know the past three years, a lot of this is on is, is sort of repetitive already. What we need to do respectfully is we need to have the Speaker of the House move to release all of the remaining footage. Um, all of the remaining footage, especially the body cam footage, will give context to the CCT cameras, CCTV cameras that we've already seen, and the ones that are still yet to come. Now, why do you think, Joe, that um, Johnson hasn't already done this? Because it would seem that this is something that's of public interest. It's something that the public is entitled to know about. It's beneficial to Republicans for the public to see it, because I remember that right when this video started coming out, Liz Cheney put out her typical recycled mishmash of the, you know, the the violent images. And she's like, this is January 6th. And, and this is what they've been doing. They've been trying to let that partial sort of recycled video uh, stand in for the whole event. And I think what annoyed Liz Cheney is a lot of other dimensions of January 6th were now emerging. But what, if you're Mike Johnson, what would stop you from just saying, okay, here's the whole lot of it? Nothing should stop him. I'm, I know for certain that arguments have been made regarding security, you know, national security, uh, giving up sensitive areas. That is all a bunch of garbage. Uh, to put it lightly. And the reason why I say that is because of what the point you just made, Dinesh, the January 6th committee took this, this, this footage, the CCTV footage, the body cam footage, all the available public footage. They put it together. They directed it. They weaved it into this narrative to cast Trump supporters in January 6th as this violent insurrection. We all know that that wasn't the case. Did violence happen? Sure, but in very limited circumstances. And a lot of it was provoked by the police. So 
on whatever, you know, there have been maps circulating. You can Google the inside of the Capitol to see whatever you want. There's no security justifiable reason to make an argument why the tapes shouldn't be re- released fully. Um, so Speaker Johnson, whoever you're listening to, uh, please listen to me. Please listen to uh, Congressman Clay Higgins, who wants the, the, the tapes to be released. Congressman Matt Gates, Marjorie Taylor Greene, people like that. The tapes need to be released. We need to see the full context of everything that happened there. You can't be afraid. You can't half-step this issue. you got to go all the way. This is an all-or-nothing endeavor. What do you make, Joe, of the fact that it's recently emerged, I guess it was Representative Loudermilk who revealed this, that all these depositions that were taken by the January 6th committee in video, and the video is apparently gone uh, they deleted it or they destroyed it. Now there are transcripts, but apparently there is a substantial part of the video record that was created by the January 6th committee that they have destroyed. Hey, it's, it's tragic. It's illegal and it's wrong. They knew what they were doing. They, they, what they did was poison the jury pool poison the public consciousness to proffer this narrative that their side of the events happened. And then they knew that once power changed hands and once the other side had an actual chance to explore the truth of the matter, that um, they didn't want to leave any paper trail behind. So I have those books. So those are the, the, back there on my shelf are, are the full transcripts of the, the January 6th committee hearings and they're absolute garbage. Um, I watched those hearings. You watched those hearings. And when you look in those transcripts and you actually read through those books and you, and you get to the point where it says uh, where, where you need to talk about some of the media that happened, they just write media presentation and they move on. They actually cut it all out. None of it is there because they don't want the truth to come out. There are multiple bad actors that they proffered to the public that they didn't even realize were working undercover for the government at that time. For instance, there's a person called 1% Watchdog. 1% Watchdog is somebody that we've been asking about in all of our, in all of our motions for the past three years. This guy logged into Zello Chats, aggregated patriots. He poisoned their minds. He radicalized some people. He got a lot of people to go to the Capitol on January 6th to attend their first protest, and he entrapped them. And we fully believe that this guy is a bad actor. And every time we asked the government for this guy, they denied us. They denied us. We asked again in Ryan Nichols's case fairly recently, and they cut us a deal. They didn't want to give him up, right? But 1% watchdog was presented when the Oath Keepers went into the uh, east side of the Capitol in the January 6th committee. He's actually on the audio talking to Jessica Watkins, saying, make a citizen's arrest, do this, do that. That was before the whole world. And once they, they, they didn't realize that the guy was working on, on the other side during that time. And they caught him out. They've scrubbed it since. And if you try to find him on the internet, they've scrubbed it on the internet as well. But we've kept some pretty good records. We have a pretty good idea of who he is. And, you know, the general public should want to know, um, who the bad actors were, starting with 1% watchdog. They are cutting that stuff out to prevent the truth from people like the watchdog getting out, Dinesh. We'll be right back with Attorney Joseph McBride. Here's an idea to consider. Diversify your savings with physical precious metals while stockpiling silver in your home safe. It's Birch Gold Group's most popular special of the year, and Debbie and I intend to take 
full advantage of it. Now through December 22nd, for every $5,000 you spend with Birch Gold, they'll send you a one-ounce Silver Eagle coin for free. Text Dinesh to 989898 to claim your eligibility now. You can purchase gold and silver and have it shipped directly to your home or have Birch Gold's precious metal specialist help you convert an existing IRA of 401k into an IRA tax sheltered in gold for no money out of pocket and they'll send you free silver for every five thousand dollars you purchase keep it for yourself or give something with real value as a stocking stuffer this year just text the keyword dinesh to nine eight nine eight nine eight to claim your eligibility with an a plus rating with the better business bureau thousands of happy customers including me now's the time to buy gold from birch gold text dinesh to nine eight nine eight nine eight claim your eligibility for free silver on qualifying purchases before December 22nd. I'm back with Attorney Joseph McBride. His website, McBrideLawNYC.com. Joe, I think it's Marjorie Taylor Greene who said, you know, given the now demonstrated um, not only flaws, but just bad behavior on the part of a January 6th committee, we need to investigate them. They're the one group that has not been investigated Uh, I frankly am doubtful if Republicans are going to do that. I suspect that they won't follow up on that. Uh, But it seems like it seems like what we have been subjected to is a rigged narrative. And this just this just isn't a lie on the American public. It I mean, it has a direct impact on the kind of cases that you have to defend against, doesn't it? 100%, Dinesh. It's reverse McCarthyism. These are the communists prosecuting the the patriots in the United States of America. No one could have ever thought that such a thing would happen, but but that is the unfortunate reality of this situation. Joe, I know that the Supreme Court uh, this week, I believe, is going to take up or or will agree, will decide whether to hear, will decide whether to grant cert, uh, to a petition filed by some of the January 6th defendants, Jake Lang being one of them, challenging this obstruction of an official proceeding charge. And I guess their point is that that this law was not made for cases like this. It, it was passed in a completely different context and that the government has impermissibly widened the scope of what this statute means. Can you clarify for people in the audience, like what, what's, what's, what's this all about? You know, it's really unfortunate. You know, Jake Legg's been in jail for three years and hasn't even had a trial. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely disgusting. And the reason why he's been there that long is because he's chosen to fight and uh, they're making it as hard and as unfair for him as possible. I'm grateful that him and his legal team have taken this matter up to the Supreme Court. The 1512 charge was originally used for like document destruction. And that's what they used to like Purdue to prosecute the guys who were involved in Enron. Uh, we've been challenging the 1512 charge since, since Jump Street in every one of these cases across the board. And, uh, I believe it was Judge Nichols in his case, who was one of the, one of the only judges, if not the only one to tell the government that this is improper. And it's like what, it's like, it's what you said. The widening of the scope. This was a limited law. Uh, set to, uh, was put there to, for, for white collar crimes, for people who actually acted with a corrupt motivation in order to destroy documents, 
obvious, uh, to, to interrupt and obstruct uh, different processes happening, but it had nothing to do with the events that took place on January 6th. So what they did is they took this law, this very arbitrary law that was applied in a very limited set of circumstances, and they opened it up for the specific purpose of creating this very vague, constitutionally overbroad and vague dragnet to bring all these people um, into this charge. And, what, and what, the way they, they've applied it is this. If um, the 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 process was interrupted, let's say around uh, 2 o'clock, uh, 2.25 at the Capitol. And sure, if you showed up at 1.30 at the Capitol, maybe there's an argument to say that you that you obstructed that process. But if you showed up at 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 3 o'clock, why are these people still getting charged? They've opened this scope, they did this thing up to say that everybody who was there was a participant in obstruction. It is unconscionable. This is a very overbroad and sort of vague description of it. But I want your listeners to understand that they took this law and they expanded it so big as as to make it that anybody who literally appeared at the Capitol that day could get dragged into this uh, this prosecution. And that's how and why people are still getting arrested today. And I mean, Joe, not only it's it's almost like they this is an accordion which is expanded when necessary but then contract it back when necessary because let's just take, for example, the Palestine Hamas protesters who were in the Cannon building. There was an official proceeding going on. They, at least some of them, interfered with it, but there appears to be no effort to apply this charge to them so that the charge, it looks like, was expanded but expanded only for the January 6th uh, defendants and, 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 and not for others. Well, that is exactly right, Dinesh. You couldn't, you couldn't be, you could, you hit the nail right on the head there. It's a two-tiered justice system. It's a politicized justice system. There's one standard of justice for Democrats and people who are on the left. There's another standard of justice for people who are on the right. If you are on the left, your level of political speech is expanding. If you are on the right, your level of political speech is contracting and the government's strength and ability to prosecute you is, is at an all-time high. This is not the way um, it should be. The Constitution was written in anticipation of events like these, but unfortunately... Uh, the swamp is deep. It runs in the, it runs in all three branches of government. And, uh, you know, unless, uh, good people like your son-in-law get into Congress and help us out, I uh, think things aren't going to change. We'll be right back with attorney Joseph McBride. Christmas is coming up. And can you think of a better gift that you can give yourself than feeling good again? Hey, that might even be better than getting a new car. So here's an idea, Relief Factor. It's the gift that helps people relieve pain and feel good once again. Relief Factor is a daily supplement that helps your body fight back against pain. It's 100% drug-free. Relief Factor was developed by doctors searching for a better alternative for pain. Relief Factor uses a unique formula of natural ingredients like turmeric and omega-3s to help reduce or eliminate the everyday aches and pains you're experiencing. Whether it's neck, back, joint or muscle pain, Relief Factor can help you feel better. Unlike pills that simply mask your pain for a short time, Relief Factor helps support your body's natural response to inflammation so you feel better all day, every day. See how Relief Factor can help you with their three-week quick start kit. Here it is. It's only $19.95 and it comes with Relief Factor's feel better or your money back guarantee. So why not give it a try? Visit relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF. Again, the number 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. When you feel the difference, you know it works. 
I'm back with attorney Joseph McBride, uh, founder of the McBride Law Firm. His website, McBrideLawNYC.com. Joe, I was delighted to see you took up the case of our buddy, uh, Joseph Polanos, a great guy. And of course, in police state, he's featured in the movie. He goes, try getting a lawyer to represent you. He goes, it's, you know, it's never going to happen. It's really difficult. And fat chance, I think is the phrase he used. And I thought, well, you know, it'll be a nice thing if this movie, at least in a small way, helps bring his case to the attention of somebody like you who goes, you know what? I might be able to represent that guy. And, 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 and now you are. So talk about how you found out about Joe. And second of all, what do you think is the heart of his? What is the case that he's now he's going to be able to file? You know, uh, Dinesh, on the way over, I sat, uh, I flew over. Uh, um, and uh, I had my future wife Cassandra on the side of me, and uh, Joe Bolanos was sitting right next to us in the plane. And we didn't—I didn't know who he was. And uh, he needed help with his with his luggage because he's 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 got infirmaries from what happened to him. And I helped him. He's like, "Oh, thank you so much." We had this nice conversation. She helped him out with a few things on the plane. We got there, and then a few days later, I see him at Mar-a-Lago, and you're standing over there. He's like, "You're the guy from the plane." And I, he goes, look, I'm in the movie. I said, why? And we did the math. He goes, I sent you an email a year ago asking you to help me. You never responded. And I said, oh, my God. I said, you got to be kidding me. And then I watched the movie. And I walked up to him afterwards. I said, Joe, I'm so sorry. I'm going to take your case. Um, that's that's how it happened, Dinesh. And um, he had told me about it. But I have gotten so many people who have reached out to me. But when I had this face-to-face encounter with him, I considered it to be providential and then like, he's a New Yorker. He's got a New York accent. I got a New York accent. This guy could be my uncle. We were talking. I was like, oh, my God, I, I love you. and I have to help you. Um, and what the FBI did to him is unconscionable. I mean, they, they, they kicked in the door at his mother's house. They kicked in the door at his house. They raided his house. They didn't even wind up arresting him. But he stroked down. He's had five strokes since. They swatted. He was swatted improperly by, by a man in this neighborhood who didn't like him because of his politics. The FBI did not investigate the situation properly. They did not give him proper medical treatment. They, they changed the course of his life and his health forever. And that they deserve to be held accountable for it. So we're going to hold all parties responsible, accountable to the fullest extent of the law. I mean, this is awesome. I'm so delighted to hear this. And also, the other thing about it, and this is the reason I thought he was so effective in the movie, is that, you know, you could argue some of the January 6th cases and did, did, did this guy swing a shield or did he not? What, what really happened? The video is needed to clarify this guy did absolutely nothing. He didn't even go inside the Capitol. He just went to the rally. He took a bunch of video. And I, I, and I mean, I think that the, the fact that the FBI was on such a hair trigger that based on a single phone call, they mobilized these two substantial raids, one on his apartment, one on the, uh, and I mean, the other cool thing, of course, is that he has video of the raid on his apartment. So <laughs> talk about having evidence. It's right there. Yeah, it, it, it is very cool. He's a, he's a great guy. He's got a very interesting background. I know he did some PI work for a while. So yeah, he's got it all on video. And that's a, that's a travesty for the FBI because they're going to be held accountable. Look, the guy when he exercised his right to protest and to participate in the protest peacefully, he was just sharing the video with a few friends at a cafe. When some passerby who didn't like him decided to turn him into the government and they treated him like he was a tier one terrorist. It's, it's disgusting uh, what they did to him. 
and uh, how he was also smeared in the media. The media was merciless to him. And without good people like you and Debbie and, and all the good people who were around you, none of these people's stories would have ever been told. I would not have ran it to Joe like I did on the plane and, uh, and, and I would not be helping him today. So, you know, God's got a plan. It takes his workers in the, in the field and, and, and on the, on the battlefield and in the field of harvest in order to get things done. I'm glad I was there, um, you know, to, to answer the call this second time around. And I'm going to make sure we do everything that we can do to get him justice. Joe, it's not easy to go up against the government. Cases cost money. I, I suspect you're taking this as a, as a pro bono case with regard to Joe. Uh, if people want to help, they want to say, all right, I'd like to help defray the legal costs of this case. How can they do that? So they can go to McBrideLawNYC.com. Right now we have uh, my general fund up there. Any money that's going to that fund right now is going to go to Joe Bolanos's case. And then we'll have a give, send, go in the next few days up there specifically for him. That'll be, you know, for his case as well, but it'll be separate from the general fund. So you go to McBrideLawNYC.com. You look for the give, send, go for Joe Bolanos. And, and you can give there. And if you can't give with, uh, with, you know, with any financial contribution, we'll certainly accept your prayers. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Joseph McBride. I appreciate your joining me. God bless you, Dinesh. I'm discussing a remarkable um, chapter in Solzhenitsyn's Gulag where he's talking about World War II. And he's talking about a phenomenon that is remarkable in history but also one that is not very well known at all. Here's how he puts it. He says, I would like to issue a reminder through these pages that this was a phenomenon totally unheard of in all world history that several hundred thousand young men aged 20 to 30 took up arms against their fatherland as allies of its most evil enemy. What's he talking about? Well, what he's talking about is that the... the uh, He's talking about Soviet regiments that rebelled against the Soviet Union. They recognized that they were being invaded by a tyrannical power, Nazi Germany, and they decided that the Nazis were better than the Soviets. Or to put it differently, that they could use the help of the Nazis or they could use the Nazi invasion as a way to overthrow the Soviet regime. Now, did they succeed? No, they failed, and they went to some pretty horrible deaths. They were used, Solzhenitsyn himself says, as cannon fodder on the front line, so it failed. But the point Solzhenitsyn is making is, and he uses a proverb, because as the old Russian proverb says, well-fed horses don't rampage. So what he's getting at is, why these guys go out of control? Why did they rampage? Well, obviously because you abuse them. They were treated really as as um, enemies of the state by the police state known as the Soviet regime. And he said that um, they essentially squeezed them to a point where these people were willing to take the extreme step of allying with, allying with Nazi Germany. And here we turn to now a very ugly chapter of World War II. Again, here's Solzhenitsyn kind of from Russia disclosing things that are not known in the West about the West's own conduct 
uh, after World War II. So listen to this. I didn't know about any of this, and it's just downright horrifying because, uh, you know, we all, we've all been raised on the idea that World War II was the good war, never mind Vietnam, never mind all the other stuff, never mind even World War I. But if there's one war in which the Allies acted honorably, it's World War II. But, says Solzhenitsyn, maybe that was true in the aggregate, but not always. And, and, and let's see what he's talking about. He goes, in 1945, Great Britain acted as a loyal ally of the Soviets. The English turned over to the Soviet army a command of Cossack troops of 40 to 45,000 men, which had fought its way to Austria from Yugoslavia. And he says the, these are Cossacks who were part of the Russian army, but they hate the Russians. The Russians, in fact, didn't like the Cossacks and treated the Cossacks as an internal enemy inside the Soviet Union. By the way, Cossack resistance goes back to the very beginning of the Bolsheviks. And so the Cossacks didn't want to go back to Russia. In fact, their plan wasn't even to stay in Europe. They were going to go, Solzhenitsyn says, to Paraguay, to Indochina. He basically goes anywhere where they don't have to surrender to the Soviets. He goes, the British provided the Cossacks with military food rations of extra quality, dressed them in fine British uniforms, promised them that they could serve in the British army. And then the British said, turn over your weapons. And the Cossacks became a little suspicious. But the British go, no, 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 we're just trying to standardize your equipment. We're trying to, this is a kind of a, um, a kind of a regathering after the war. And then he goes, when they arrived in Judenburg, police vans were waiting, as were armed guards holding lists of names. They could not even shoot or stab themselves to death since all their weapons had been taken away. Think of the, think of the situation. You have Russians who are in such desperation that they would rather commit suicide than go back to the Soviet Union. They know the fate that awaits them there. And so they're begging the British, let us stay. Or if you don't want us here, no problem. We'll leave but don't force us to go back. And the British are like, we are allies of the Soviet Union. You have to go back. And so guns drawn, the British army forces these people to do that. Uh, the British commanding officer, Major Davies, whose name will survive from now on in Russian history at least, um, he said he openly announced on June 1 that there would be a compulsory extradition. Thousands of voices yelled, we will not go. And... Uh, says Solzhenitsyn, they had to go. They were forced to go. And um, the British soldiers started beating them with rifle butts and clubs, throwing them onto trucks, including the wounded, as if they were packages. And all of this stuff is, it's a little hard to read because it is so atrocious uh, that the British, who knew, by the way, from the beginning, that, look, this is an alliance of convenience with Stalin. Stalin is a horrible man. He has been conducting massive atrocities in his own country. So everything Solzhenitsyn says here is completely true. And so the British, who were in a very powerful position at the end of World War II, they had recovered their country, of course, but they were the key allies of the Americans. And so if the if the British and the Americans had told Stalin, you're not going to get the Cossacks back, they're just going to go wherever they want, there's nothing that Stalin could have done. So what makes all of this so tragic is it was so gratuitous. And all these brave Russian soldiers who had begged for an ability to live elsewhere in the world, anywhere other than the Soviet Union, were forcibly sent back to probably incarceration, if not death, in the Soviet gulag. 
Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. 